It's chaos. It's a different type of Sunday scary. It's your newest obsession. It's Dirty Driving, a Formula One podcast. We're the Hornsby sisters. I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. We are so excited to be back talking about another one of our wonderful constructors, McLaren. Yeah, yeah. It is. Our boys in papaya. Our boys in papaya. It is arguably Megan and I's favorite team without playing too hard of favorites. And I think this week we're going to start with our drivers and then move into a little bit of McLaren history. And then we are also going to discuss how McLaren is diversifying themselves in the field of motorsport. So I'll kick it off with Lando Norris. Um, I was incredibly surprised to learn this about Lando, but he originally had interest in being a motorcycle racer. Megan, did you know that? I, I feel like I like knew that, and I also was like that he would never make it. Moving on with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> he his idol was Valentino Rossi, as most of us know, as one of the great MotoGP drivers, but. His interest really switched to four wheels when his dad took him to watch a round of the Super One National Kart Championship. And that's when he began falling in love with four wheel karting. He started racing at age seven and claimed his first pole position, becoming the youngest karting world champion in 2014. And he really just like blew everyone out of the water in karting. He had a successful career there and made his way through single seat competitions competing in f3 and f2 with carlin racing and f3 just to give you guys some perspective he competed with george russell and alex albon in up until the last race um, where he was able to finish second so in f3 he competed with the likes and that's where that kind of like twitch quartet kind of got started the friendship at least He signed with McLaren as a junior driver in 2017, and honestly, the rest was history. After a season of being a test and reserve driver, he made his rookie debut in 2019, paired with the highly rated and far more experienced Carlos Sainz, who luckily we talked about last week. But his rookie season was super impressive. He beat out the Spaniard in their head-to-head qualifying battle uh, pretty much every single time, so was definitely came out of the woods and became this impressive qualifying driver. He scored points on 11 occasions and missed out on a top 10 championship champion driver's championship win. Um, so he took 11th, and then in the following year, 2020, he took 9th. So progressively getting better and better uh he had a decent year in 2020 but he really came to shine in 2021 alongside daniel ricardo he claimed third at imola monaco and austria and he finished second at monza for his best ever finished and supported the team in the one two so he took four podiums in total and took sixth in the drivers championship the biggest news to but you've literally failed to mention his Muppet move of the year. 
Oh, I wasn't see. I wasn't gonna do that to him. I wasn't gonna do it to him. I mean, you have to be honest. The kid is a. He calls himself a muppet, but yes. the biggest muppet move of twenty twenty one was the tire strategy in Sochi. The tire strategy in Sochi, where he failed to switch over to inters on the last couple of laps. I wasn't gonna do this to him, but I will do it to him. And no, so we have to drag them it sometimes. It really just shows that he does not have the experience that drivers like Lewis Hamilton have in terms of knowing when are the right calls and when are not the right calls and when to listen to the team and then maybe when not to listen to the team. So Lando definitely is still growing as a driver and still learning every single year. I think – the thing that shocks me the most about Lando is that in February, before the start of this season, we saw him sign an extension with McLaren until 2025. And I think the biggest thing that shocks me about that is that will have been racing with one team. Um, and I know others have done that, but is McLaren really in the position to be where Lando wants to be? And that is something that I think I question as a fan. I don't know if that's something that you think about very often, Megan, but... I mean, to be seasonally appropriate, he literally put all of his Easter eggs in one basket and is just crossing his fingers and hopping along, hoping that it works out. I think it's a... a bold move. Bold and... Again, I just have fear that McLaren maybe won't be able to take Lando to the places that he deserves to be, and he's kind of signed his life away until 2025 unless, you know, some magic happens, unless something goes terribly wrong and he's, you know, able to get himself out of that contract. So um, I think that's the one thing about Lando as well. He's still learning and I think this is either going to be the greatest thing he's ever done for himself or a very big learning opportunity. He, I have a feeling it's not good. I, I have all the hope in the world that McLaren's going to, like, pull it out. And I have no doubt that we're going to see Lando Norris at McLaren until 2025. I'm just a little, like... Could you have waited more than just, you know, nothing in this 2022 season before you signed that? Like, yeah, yeah like not fuck? even not even giving them a chance to show what they're doing with this new car before he, again, signed his life away. So, that, yeah, I'm glad, um, Megan, you were as interested to talk about this as I was because it's honestly just a shocking move. So, shocking, bold, but also, like, I feel like it's a very Lando move to make in a weird it's very way. very secure. Yes, it's very secure, and I think, if anything, if anything positive can come out of it is that it shows his commitment to what McLaren are doing and the McLaren path. It almost is a little, like... I believe in the mission of McLaren more than I believe in McLaren's, like, current performance. I I also don't know how much this is tied to his desire to be part of their esports community longer. 
Yeah, definitely. I think he sees a future with McLaren and doesn't want to say goodbye to it too quick. But I don't know how long he's going to be performing the way that he wants to be performing in F1. Full stop, I'd also like to point out that I am just as critical of um, uh, Ferrari and their signing of Charles Leclerc, and I'm just as critical as Max Verstappen for signing that idiotic contract to stay at Red Bull. Like, Yeah. It's like- these are gigantic... I mean, he will, like, Max will stay through the new engine. So, again, is that a show of extreme faith in a team's mission and ability to extract performance? Or is this just, like, very bold career decisions in order to, like, have security in having a seat? I think it's probably a little bit more, like, security in the seat. Yeah, definitely security in the seat over loyalty. Loyalty to the brand, loyalty to the team. There has to be, obviously, that loyalty to sign for another three to years. eight years. But it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot to commit to. So the only other thing I wanted to throw out about Lando was that in September of 2021, he started his own karting team, which I think is incredible. Um, and then that he's just this, again, exciting young talent that's on track. And I think we're just going to continue to see him make mistakes like Sochi, make mistakes like others that he's made in the past and grow from them and see what kind of driver he really turns into and develops over the next three years. It'll be fascinating. It'll be interesting to see like the Lando that Lando is in 2025 and is or 2024 in his last year, whatever the year is. Wait, 2025. 2025. And compared to, like, the Lando of, like, 2019. You know, if Drive to Survive is still around, you'll go back and watch those episodes or really even hear kind of, like, Lando speaking in them, and you'll be like, he, he's got it. I mean, I even think he's a he's a much more mature, and obvious, like, duh, he is. He's older. But even his ability to, like, analyze and discuss a race after the fact you can tell that he understands it on a different level um and that's been kind of cool to see um let's take it from from a youngin to an oldie an oldie (laughs) but a goodie an olden an oldie but a goodie i don't know an olden an olden uh someone who's been around the game for a bit um and you know my my favorite driver on the grid um He's won my heart and will forever have my heart, even though he makes me want to, like, hit my head against a wall some weekends. It's uh, Daniel Ricardo, DR3. Um, I'm just going to start this off by dragging the man. If Carlos Sainz is the king of career moves, then Danny Ricardo is the literal jester of them. Um, he just... I love him, but, like, dear Lord, baby Jesus, you left Red Bull. You went to Renault. Renault was a dumpster fire. Um, I I did love his Renault days, the black and yellow on that man. Chef's kiss. Um, But now he's in the papaya, and he struggled last year. Yes, we had the one, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
it was a high point. But we, we as McLaren, as Danny Rick fans, suffered to have that moment of joy. We and have, suffered. And have been suffering. And now we are back to suffering. We had a little bit of a reprieve in Australia. But mm, I have a feeling we're going to suffer some more. So let's start at the beginning. I'm going to run through this pretty quickly because we've talked about him a lot. But also people just know a lot about the dude. Probably because he talks so much. Um, I think that's why I like him. Um so, Daniel Ricciardo started his Formula One journey at Toro Rosso back, back, back in 2012, which I did put the um, put the, put the dots together. I was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why wasn't I watching Formula One then? I was lame. Um, when he joined Toro Rosso, he had actually already been in the Ju- Red Bull Junior Driver Program for two years, which he had joined in 2010. He was also partnered with Jev, which really kind of broke my brain because I knew that. But now that we had watched the um, Formula E documentary and I just I just can't imagine those two being partners at all. I just feel like that was a dumpster fire. They were younger, but I feel like it was a dumpster fire. But both DR3 and Jeb were vying for one singular seat at Red Bull, which Mark Webber would retire and DR3 would get the promotion because he had been consistently ahead and consistently outperforming Jev. Um, he spent five years at Red Bull, pre what I like to call the pre-Evil Empire days, um, <laughs> I think. I, I think that's what I'm going to start referring to it. I'm not exactly sure when I'm going to start claiming they've become an evil empire. I'm still working on the timeline. Tune in. I'll have it ready for the Red Bull episode. His first year, 2014, at Red Bull, he actually beat Vettel and he won three races. Again, Totally forgot about all of that. Just like, whoop, brain didn't work. Um, Vettel signed to go to Ferrari that year. And so I, I, I feel like Daniel Ricciardo was Christian's first, you know, first hope at a young, a, a, a new young baby champion. You know, like, ah, I have found the magic egg again. Let me, let I me make a world champion. Baby Grogu. Like yes. baby Grogu. Exactly. He'd already had Vettel. Vettel left. Now he was like, I shall have the Australian version of <laughs> German Vettel. Didn't really work out. In 2015, Daniel Ricciardo would partner with Kvyat. And then in 2016, four years into it, Kvyat would be replaced with Verstappen. Insert quote joke some funny line here about Kvyat being replaced by Verstappen in many aspects of life. And if anyone <laughs> understands what that means, you're you're with it. Um, I'm not going to drop names here. Oh, wow, wow, wow. I just went on a tangent there. Um, so then for 2017 to 2019, Ricardo and Verstappen would partner and they would, you know, have some rocky times on track, but would really have a bromance in all of our hearts. I mean, the videos of the the Maxwell days, them sitting on a boat in Monaco, joking around. Oh, I think of we those days those quite days. fondly. I we mean, as I'm days. literally thinking about it, I'm crying. The 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 unwrapping the gifts in front of the tree. Um, there's the yacht Getting scene in the, Monaco that I love. It's the the eating the food where Max like the jack vomits. Fruit where he, yeah. Yeah, they, when they try to open it, oh, there's so many fond memories. I'm getting misty. 
I mean, they're great days. They're the, 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 the time where they were sitting in lawn chairs on the track. I mean, we could go on for eternities. But really, their rockiest moments were Baku in 2018 and Monaco in 2018. Monaco 2018 was definitely Daniel Ricardo's darkest days. Um, we've already talked about it. We've relived it enough. I'm not going into details. If you need to know anymore, look it up. Don't ask us. We can't talk about it. Ultimately, Red Bull would get rid of their Renault engines and Daniel Ricciardo would turn around and go to Renault. I love that that happened. In a weird way, it was, like, not comical. It just was this weird, like, breakup. Like, they broke up with Renault and Renault was like, and we'll take the dog, too. Not that I'm calling Daniel Ricciardo a dog. <laughs> but Renault got, to t- Renault got to keep the dog. Yeah, like, Renault kept the puppy and- that's so unfortunate for Daniel Ricardo, the puppy. 2018 or 2019 and 2020 at Renault would just be rocky. Let's just go there. 2019 was rough, rough, like rough, rough. Um, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm just gonna go with that. 2020 would be a little bit better. He would podium. We would get the Cyril bet. They would get, Cyril would get the tattoo. That's very strange looking. I don't want to go into that either. I don't know my thoughts on it. It's creepy looking. I've decided to come to the conclusion. In 2021, DR3 would join McLaren. We do come to find out that actually McLaren had been courting um, Daniel Ricciardo to leave Red Bull and go straight to them and miss and like bypass the Renault days. And let me tell you, again, here's where I'm going to say Carlos Sainz, master of career moves. Daniel Ricciardo not should have taken that McLaren offer, but unfortunately it was Carlos Sainz. Not for us, but for Daniel Ricciardo. Um, 2021 would be a rough year, like I said, up until Monza where we had the I never left moment, which brought just pure joy to all of us Daniel Ricciardo stands who had suffered for so long waiting for that man to give us the performance that we needed. Please note me pointing over my shoulder at Lando Norris pouring champagne. It brought joy. After that, though, shit would hit the fan again. It would slump. We had that triple header, four points in like four races, abysmal performance. And ultimately, we would learn at the end of the season that 2021 was the year that Daniel Ricciardo actually learned why the man was fast. He reflected. It took him that long in his career (laughs) imagine imagine like any other career like literally anything other than being a race car driver and being like well i've been here for you know nine ten years and i've just learned why i can do this yeah lots of therapy i think in 2021 or 2000 yeah 2021 Maybe it started in 2020, post-COVID, but I think Daniel got the got some of the confidence back that he lost along the way. Yeah, he did. You could see it. And I, I think we've had, like, this year's been rocky, except for, you know, a little celebration in Australia. But you can still see that, well, the car is a struggle. The car is a struggle. Um, but you can see that, there's like less of a 
a general like dissatisfaction with his performance and more of a, a lack of understanding in the actual car, which is different than what we saw last year. It was painful last year. Like those races, the one race where he was like, what's the fine for not going to the, not going to press was like horrific for, for me to remember. I just yeah. love the man. I don't know him, but I love him. I feel like I know him. Um, Daniel Ricardo, yes, it did take him that long to figure out his racing style, but I think now that he's sorted it out, and now that I think he has the skills to articulate what he needs in a car, that will make the difference. Because that's one thing that people were talking about, a lot of people mentioned last year, and it was a big conversation. I mean, we had talked about it. It felt like he didn't actually know what he needed to be successful, and now I think he actually maybe has those words. I mean, I'm not in the rooms, but I feel like he gets it now. Do, do, do. What else did I want to say about Daniel Ricardo? Oh, I know. I knew there was one last point I wanted to make. He has his own wine. And I think that is why the man is also just amazing. And now he has a shoey decanter. So if anyone decanter. is in... If anyone is in Australia and wants to purchase one and ship one to the United States illegally... Let a girl know, because you can't buy them here. Megan needs it. I need it. And also, Daniel Ricardo, if you're listening to this, I know you're not. When are we going to get this stuff in the U.S.? Your yeah. U.S. fans are waiting. Great. We are waiting. It. Patiently. We are waiting. Impatiently, actually. Let me confirm that. Impatiently. <laughs> Okay, Katie, now that I've babbled off, babbled on about Daniel Ricardo for a lot, enough time, let's get to what I've decided we're going to do now that we've talked yes. about the drivers. Yes, Megan <laughs> has a surprise for me. She has failed to cue me in on anything, so I'm, all, as always, never prepared for what she has to say. We are going to play Would You Rather, McLaren style. Here we go. Here we go. Question number one. Would you rather ride horses with DR3 in the Outback or go dune buggying in Dubai with LN4? Yes, I am calling them by those letters and numbers. Oh, this is the first one immediately is already so difficult. I mean, how, how do I've you decide I've never this? been dune bugging. You've never ridden horses in the outback. Yeah, but I've like ridden horses. I think I will. I think I'm gonna go dune bugging for this one. I just like to let everyone know that she's saying that riding horses in Kentucky is just as cool as riding <laughs> horses in Australia with Daniel okay. Ricardo. Like, I'm sure there's gonna be an opportunity. Opportunity for me to pick an activity with Daniel. So my first, I'm picking. Oh, my now first she's activity with Lando. <laughs> okay, now we know what's happening here. She's playing the long game. I'm playing the long game. I want a piece. Of Maybe both Lando of them. Norris is playing the long game with his career. He <laughs> is playing the long game with his career. We'll see. Oh I'm God. nervous for the boy, but we'll f- we'll figure it out. Okay, question number two. <laughs> This one's so great. Would you rather take a Zach Brown slap shot to the chest 
you're wearing light pads, not full goalie pads, light pads, because okay. we now know that he plays ice hockey. Or, 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 would you do the milk bowl challenge <laughs> with Lando Norris driving, but in your personal vehicle? I know you don't have a car. Pretend you have a car. You have the blue egg back. <laughs> the slap I think I'm taking... the milk bowl. <sighs> it, am I paying to detail the vehicle afterwards? That uh, semantics. Slap shot, milk bowl. Slap shot. <laughs> I'd say. I feel like that's that's like a one and done thing. I'll be bruised for a little, and then we'll just move on. The milk the jug is like. Mom had milk spilled in her car, and it reeked for reeked. like six years. Yeah. So. I also want to know. If they burned the car that they did the milk bowl challenge in, or if it was detailed, I had need to have to been know. detailed. Had to have been. M- I'm sorry, they had to burn it. They had to burn it. There's no way you could recover after the Carlos Sainz Lando Norris milk bowl thing. They probably knew something was wrong with the car, and that's the one they chose. And they were like, "The stitching is wrong on the interior. Drive this one." And then we'll just like burn it. <laughs> You'll never get the smell of warm milk. Ugh. Okay, next one. Next one. Get ready. Get ready. Would you rather only drink DR3's wine forever? It's the only thing you can drink, but you get to drink with him. Or never eat sushi again, but get to have dinner with Lando Norris. No water, only wine. I guess you can have water. Okay, yeah. But you can only, the only alcoholic beverage you can ever drink is St. Hugo Shiraz with Daniel Ricardo after you've shooey decanted I think I'm picking um, wine and Daniel Ricardo for this one because if if it means that I get to have wine with him every time I drink wine, then there's no guarantee that he's not going to fall in love with me and leave his girlfriend. She's drinking wine Every day. <laughs> I'll drink every wine day. every day. Glass of red wine with Daniel Ricardo at the end of every day. I don't think it gets much better than that. No, I feel like it doesn't. Okay. So this one, this one is not as, this one's going to be very hard for you to decide, but oh it's boy. not as like tricky. Would you rather hang out with Team Quadrant or get up to all the mischief with Daniel Ricardo's? Gang of gaggle of friends, Team Quadrant or DR three mm. gaggle. Just know that Dak Shepard is technically part of the gaggle. I know that one. This one is the hardest one. Cause like I'm not really like a gamer, like a Twitch streamer, but you could they seem like Legos, a fun crowd. Like, like Daniel, like Lando and his girlfriend did on Friday night. They yeah, they built a Lego set. Mm. Did you see that they built a park? She was riding a lawnmower with him. I did see that. I did see that. Indeed, there and the caption was like building my own golf course or something like that. His own par three. Also, like they were riding a lawnmower together. Yeah, all right. I'm going to pick Daniel Ricardo's gaggle of friends. I feel like they're a little bit more high class and maybe more our speed, Megan. I feel like it's a lot of live music. 
in like Austin, Texas with party shirts on. Yeah. Definitely more our speed. But also like why were they riding the lawnmower together? Why did they just take turns? My, she probably got on for the cute photo. Like <laughs> it's weird. I don't like anyone enough to ride a lawn. First off, never going to catch me mowing the lawn. Yeah. So end of discussion right there. Even for a golf course. Sorry, intern. Um, okay. Last one. Last one. Ready? Ready. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a hard one, too. Would okay. you rather give up all American football allegiance to become part of the Bills Mafia or give up all other sports and become solely into golf with Lando. So, Bills Mafia with Daniel or always on the golf course with Lando. Bills Mafia with Daniel. <laughs> Which hurts my heart because we're Saints fans, but... At least then I can still watch the Saints play. <laughs> Honestly, I I went Bills Mafia just because I feel like it would be utter chaos to attend one of those events. And I really want to attend that event, like, VIP style. Like, I refuse to be, like, actually part of that tailgate because I think I would put myself through a table. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I think that would be like me restraining you from jumping onto the table and losing us our chips and salsa and our hot dogs. <laughs> What's so insane, Katie, is that they have a completely separate table to put just, themselves through than the dip table. Than the dip table. But that seems All right, like well. a perfectly good waste of a table that could have additional dips on it. Yeah, like, I want two dip tables. I don't need a table just to jump through. We could have a dip table and an app table. We don't need a table. I don't know. No jumping Add that to the list. We Add that to the list. We're going to a Bills game. All right, Bills game. We'll we'll invite Daniel. See if he'll come with us, too. Not a bad. She's now giving me we're the thinking. thinking. Now we're thinking. Mm-hmm, for sure. We would totally wear party shirts like that man. Also, oh, no easy. one at no one wears a party shirt like Daniel Ricardo wears a party shirt. Yeah, especially that one Gucci party shirt he wore that one time that I will never forget and I'll never stop talking about. Also, side note before we get into anything of seriousness, have have you I've thought about the fact that he can pull off, like, the deep, unbuttoned shirt look. And everyone else that does it looks like a creepy, like, yeah, old man. Like, how is it that he can do it and no one else can? It's a superpower. Because he's he's Daniel Ricardo. Genuinely, his superpower is that he can wear a shirt that's only buttoned in two buttons. Three buttons, maybe? Yeah, two, three. Hmm. I mean... I'm going to have to investigate. Uh, come back to me with my data on how many buttons Daniel Ricardo buttons on his shirts. <laughs> All right, she can do that That's investigating. So she can do that investigating, and I'll segue us into talking about McLaren's wonderful history. 
Okay, so this is McLaren history. Ra- Say that again. I said that is history. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm let, I'm taking over. I'm not letting her talk. <laughs> All right, so McLaren Racing's Limited is obviously, if you didn't know, a British motor racing team. It is the second oldest active team, and it is the second most successful team behind our first deep dive, Ferrari. It's known for having some of the greats drive their cars. We're talking Fittipaldi, Hunt, Prost, Senna, Hamilton, Heikkinen, Raikkonen, and Alonso. So they are a winning team. They have won eight Constructors' Championships and 12 Drivers' Championships, the most recent one being Lewis Hamilton's first ever championship in 2008. In the early years, it was founded in 1963 by the New New Zealander Bruce McLaren, who was a racing driver himself. They entered their first Grand Prix in Monaco in 1966 and won their first GP two years later in 68 at the Belgian Grand Prix. Unfortunately, A couple years later, Bruce passed away during a Can-Am testing incident in 1970, which McLaren was also very popular and raced pretty well in the Can-Am American tournaments back in the day. Teddy Mayer took over after the passing of Bruce McLaren and led their team to the first win in 1974 with Emerson Fittipaldi and James Hunt. They took the championship. 1974 also marks the beginning of the 22-year long-standing championship of Marlboro before they left and started sponsoring the Scuderia Ferrari. In 1981, a couple years later, McLaren merged with Ron Dennis's Project 4 Racing, and if you're a fan of McLaren, you're probably very familiar with the name Ron Dennis. He took over as the team principal, but honestly, he went on to organize a full buyout of the original McLaren stakeholders and took control of the team. This began their most successful era. They had Porsche and Honda engines, and Lauda, Prost, and Senna won seven driver's championships and six constructors' cups. So it was an incredible couple of years for them. Williams was their only challenger, and the two teams battled from 1984 to 1994. In the mid-1990s, they hit a slump, but it did not take long for recovery. Honda left. They switched over to Mercedes engines, which they are driving now, and they grabbed a different cigarette brand sponsorship, West Cigarettes. Adrian Newey joined the team and would remain with them until 2005 when he left for Red Bull. And then Heikkinen took his back-to-back wins in 1998 and 1999. Are they – this is a a question, and if anyone has the answer, I'd love to know. Are they the only team that has been sponsored by two different cigarette brands technically? I think they are because it was Marlboro and West Cigarettes, which, by the way – their slogan when I was like reading about West cigarettes because they're a German cigarette brand was "Let's go West," and that really bothered me because that's what one of our like high school yeah our high school were. chant is Let's oh, well go our high West. school is West and so it's 
Yeah, let's go west let's or go west, west is best. Yeah. And their Weird. cigarette campaign was let's go west, which I wonder. No, there would be no way that anyone at Parkway West would have known that was their brand and no. had used it. Well, but it would have been funny. And now they also have, um, unless, correct me, you might know this, Views or Vuz, the V-U-Z. Is it Views? Views. Views, which is also nicotine. So that's three that they've had. I guess technically three, yeah. If Yeah. Yeah. But like true old school SIGs, I wonder if they are the only team that has had two different. I don't know. I should look that up. Yeah, something. We'll put that on the research. To, to research. But Views has gotten them in hot water lately. There's a lot of people who are not happy that they're advertising for, like a nicotine. I mean, they're like e-cigs. Um, but to me, it's really interesting that um, Mission Winnow has gotten so much hate, and Views hasn't gotten hasn't gotten to the same level. At least not that I've seen. Yeah. Especially, like, they did a specific livery for views, and, I mean, like, not all of my friends, but a couple of my friends still enjoy a good e-cigarette, and, you know, they're one of the more popular brands, I believe, out there. So, interesting. Well, we'll take note of that and do a little research. In 2007... definitely... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, not to interrupt you again. I just want to say, like, we should definitely do, like, a full deep dive into tobacco again. Because that was really interesting to read about the the sponsorship of Big Tobacco and how much money they've brought to the sport. And they're still technically, not technically, they are bringing in terms of views, Mission Winnow. It's also um, funny that we picked the the first two teams we picked are Marlboro teams. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll drop a formation lab all about Siggy's. Siggy <laughs> <laughs> sponsoring fast cars. <laughs> okay. So in 2007, I could not not mention this because it's part of McLaren's history. It's part of Formula One's history. It is one of the biggest scandals in Formula One, but it was known as Spygate. So in 2007, uh, the FIA implicated McLaren in a scandal after a former Ferrari employee and a senior McLaren engineer had allegations brought against them for the theft of Ferrari technical information. It was the subject of legal action in Italy, and it went under an FIA investigation. In the first hearing, McLaren was kind of off the hook and didn't have any issues. But by the second hearing in September of 2007, there was enough evidence that was presented to penalize McLaren. They were disqualified from the World Constructors Championship in 2007, and they were required to pay one of the heftiest fines in Formula One history of $100 million. Megan and I read a book about... um, Formula One from the viewpoint of a mechanic that we highly suggest. And he talks about Spygate and what it was like to be in the team and hear from Ron Dennis that they had been fined all of that money and, you know, that that they were going to be okay. But 
that it was a lot of money that, you know, had to be paid to the FIA. Wait. Yes, Megan? Sorry to interrupt. She had a big moment of We're talking about Spygate. I have an additional would you rather question. Would you rather have dinner with Ron Dennis and discuss Spygate or dinner with Fernando Alonso and have him talk to you exclusively about Spygate? Because we all know that that year was a shit show between Hamilton and Alonso because Alonso was pissed that the team had backed Hamilton for the drivers. So dinner with Ron, dinner with Fernando. All they can talk about is 2008. Dinner with Fernando because I want to know more about that from his perspective. I want to know more about the Alonzo Lewis headbutt from Alonzo's perspective. I think it would be fascinating to get Alonzo's perspective and like unfiltered without cameras around. Because Anytime he talks about it, you can see that he's talking about it through, like, a lens of, like, I will be judged by the the public. And so getting an unfiltered view. Honestly, I think I would say the same thing about Lewis Hamilton and probably anyone in McLaren management at the time. Like, yeah, what was well, actually going on? Just like we all want to know what went on between Lewis and Nico, you know, I would love to know what went on between Lewis and Alonzo. Do I even want to know what happened between Lewis I wanna and Nico? I want to know. I like... want to know. I want to know. But whatever. We may I don't know. never I feel... know. When Lewis writes his book, we might know. I would love, love, love to hear the 2007-2008 Lewis Hamilton rise, Fernando Alonso... Hamilton, kind of the battle of the young gun, the the veteran who's just off of two victories with Renault. Like, how do you get this? Like, what is the push and pull there? And not so much from like a, a he said, he said, but more of a how does it actually function internally to manage that? And I don't yeah. ever think we have gotten that from any other team. Granted, because Lewis has dominated, but Valtteri and Lewis had such a different relationship. So I would just, I'm fascinated on learning about those two years almost in isolation and and isolated to just McLaren. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that, that book we read did highlight a little bit about, you know, the teams per car were completely split. And they didn't really talk to each other much. So it's how, as a leader of two separate teams, do you do you manage that? That's division between, you know, at some point the pit crews weren't even speaking to each other. Which, even reading that, like, doesn't compute in my brain because I can't imagine a team now being able to function that way. They rely way too heavily on the data of the other car. Yeah. I mean, unless you're in Australia and Checo's like, what's wrong with Max's car? And they're like, it's not relevant. Keep going. Keep going. Don't focus on that. (laughs) (laughs) So 
McLaren, I'll say my last thing about the 2007-2008, but um, they went on to win the 2008 Drivers' Championship with Lewis Hamilton. Today, focusing on what they're doing next, uh, we've got Zach Brown. Zach Brown is the chief leader of McLaren, and he's bringing them back to the forefront of F1. He joined the team in 2016 after being a driver himself and then founding his Just Marketing International company, which grew to be one of the largest motorsport marketing agencies in the world. And he's taking this 15 plus years of auto sport marketing experience to the team in terms of sponsorship deals. So we've seen McLaren working with the likes of Dell, Darktrace, Google, and Views to attribute success to McLaren. And not only success, but money to McLaren. Which brings us it, to the question, Megan. It brings us to our question. Oh, sorry. Oh, I ahead. thought you wanted me to, me to say the words. No, go for it. No, you go. (laughs) (laughs) Are we in another McLaren building year, and are they able to compete in the development war that is taking place? Full stop, blanket statement across the board for all 10 constructors. The team that is going to be most successful in the next... Not really now, but, you know, the back half of this year and next year and even the year after that is going to be the team that really truthfully is able to strategize and stay ahead in terms of development and really be very, I I hate to say the word strategic because I just said strategize, but be very strategic in where and when they bring upgrades and really paying attention to where and when other teams are bringing their upgrades. So I think McLaren has the potential to full stop compete if asterisk they can they can play the strategy game, which we know is starting to play. Like, we can see it happening already. You know, when is Mercedes going to bring their upgrades? When is Ferrari going to bring an upgrade? Um, we know it's going to, like, the, the, they're going to start bringing them over the next couple of races. Um, will M- Mercedes bring that rear wing to Imola like we should have seen in Australia? Are they plan to bring to Australia? I, I think over the next, you know, month, two months, three months, we're going to slowly start seeing like really the chess, the, the the element of Formula One that is chess in terms of the car being played. McLaren now is claiming that they have a clear path in terms of their development. That is what Zach Brown has said. That is what kind of is echoed in both drivers and um, Seidel whenever they're kind of speaking to the press or, you know, when they were speaking to the press post-Australia. Um, we know for a fact that in Bahrain, they struggled. Daniel Ricardo was out with COVID, so that took out his ability to have track time. But ultimately, practice was, what's the word I want to use? Hampered, um, limited, because they just weren't out on track. They had that massive break overheating problem, which set them back in terms of development going into the, the season and really set them back in terms of what data they had available to them 
leading into Bahrain and Jeddah, which were just not pretty to watch for the Papaya Nation. Not at all. Um, Lando got lucky in Jeddah with that P7, but really that was just like a total shot in the dark luck out there. That was not based on car performance or really that wasn't even Lando Norris's driving skills. Not that I'm saying he's not a good driver. That was just purely like right time, right place to swoop in and grab some points. Melbourne, I hate to say, was a turning point. I'm not even going to say that, knock on wood. Um, Melbourne, they had 18 points. So we do see a little bit of shining capitalization there. Lando Norris has been very honest that that was 80%. Their success was 80% attributed to the fact that the track was a track that suited them. They only brought a small upgrade to Australia. So essentially that car that they were running in Australia was the same car that they were running in Bahrain. So really no problems have been solved. The The car with the bad setup just fit Australia. I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, I think in terms of getting them points, good thing in terms of um, where that car is going into Imola, I'm a little concerned about this weekend. Um, they still are struggling in the low speed corners. They're struggling with grip and just generally overall performance, which, you know, next weekend is Imola and Lando Norris is pretty freaking skeptical about their ability to perform. Daniel Ricardo is a little bit like, Hey, we'll be okay. It's fast flowing. The car is a little bit better than it was. We're starting to, you know, understand it. I'm going to hedge my bets and say that Imola is still going to be like bottom of the top tens for them. We're not going to see the papaya performance that we want. No. Points will be good. Points will be, if they can grab points, it will be good for them. Yeah. I am concerned about the next few races for McLaren because this is, I know we've got off season, but I feel like, these next few races are really going to tell us what what we're going to be seeing this year. I haven't really heard. So, like, we know kind of where we know that Ferrari is planning to bring upgrades to Barcelona. We know that there's going to be a the rear wing is coming to Imola, or we've heard. We don't really know when McLaren is going to bring their, like, first set of upgrades. We're Oh, we're going to get a new floor on the Ferrari, I think, for Imola, if I remember correctly. I don't know what Red Bull's bring. I haven't read what Red Bull's bringing to Imola this weekend, but I, I we just – I feel like other teams have hinted where they're bringing upgrades. McLaren hasn't. I think they're playing the strategy game. I, I'm yeah. going to just tell myself that. <laughs> It'll help me sleep at night. Yes, it will. All right. The last thing that we've got to talk about with McLaren is the fact that they are unique. They have an IndyCar, an Extreme E, and an eSports team along with the Formula One team. So McLaren itself is much more than F1 in the world of motorsport, and it really pays tribute to how they're diversifying and preparing for their future in racing. Their Extreme E team. Megan, do you have anything to add before I hop into Extreme E? No. I I guess the only thing I wanted to say is that I do freaking attribute – freaking, I don't even know why I added that. I do attribute a lot of this, like, diversification to Max Brown. 
he is a full stop a racer. Like he admits it. He loves racing. The man lives for motorsport. Um, I'm gonna throw this out here, just like when I said Gunther, you looking for a for a wife? Zach Brown, I'm available. Um, I like racing too, <laughs> but I just you can tell that he is interested in racing and he's interested in diversifying McLaren. He's invested in the mission, passionate about the brand. And is doing everything he can to engage a young, new audience. There's actually, when I was reading, doing some research about Zach Brand, there's an article from like 2010 talking about is Zach Brown like the new Bernie Ecclestein? Really? In terms of his ability to, I, his ability to form deals and and propel Formula One to new levels, and. Yeah. For that article of to come out in the early 2010s, and here we have Zach Brown really doing a lot to to push the McLaren name and really push Formula One. I, I think that's saying a lot. Yeah. I don't definitely. really like Bernie, but I think the message there is more about ability to propel motorsport and champion motorsport. And that's what he's doing, and I think that's only evident in the fact that he's now not just building the Formula One brand, but he's building, rebuilding the IndyCar brand, building the Extreme E brand, and moving into esports, all with the undercurrent of like sustainability and really trying to push the technological envelope into making racing something that can continue for years to come, even in a world that is conscious about the environment. Yeah, definitely, which plays in the hand with Extreme E. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with Extreme E, it's an innovative all-electric off-road series that races E-SUVs. And their mission is to use racing to promote sustainability, similar in the fact that Formula E is doing so, but different because they race in remote terrains to raise climate awareness so they focus their efforts on specific locations that need need education and need and need that announcement that they are struggling because of climate change and not only that but they are promoting diversity with teams that because they're required to have both a female and a male driver so McLaren, their whole purpose of getting into this was to accelerate their sustainability and diversity efforts because they focus on carbon reduction, recycling and reuse, and all over elimination of waste within McLaren. The drivers are Tanner Faust and Emma Fillmore, and Emma Fillmore is the first ever female racing driver for McLaren. So I remember the day that they announced that, and it was pretty big, and so far I've not partaken in watching of extreme e race but i think it's intriguing and it's a completely different form of racing that i could get interested in i feel like i could actually drive one of those <laughs> <laughs> like I, there's no there's chance in hell you're gonna get me to drive an f1 car um or an indy car um or even probably a nascar but i feel like i would 
fucks with an extreme e car? Like that's kind yeah. of a car that like I feel like could take a little damage and I would be okay in. <laughs> I also do love um I know, I know, I know. This is lame, but Zach Brown uh, closed the New York Stock Exchange, and I know that he was attending there as a um, a guest of one of their. I forgot the company. I one of their sponsors of Extreme E. But I did love that they only brought the Extreme E vehicle. I know they were a guest of the sponsor of Extreme E, but like they could have probably brought, you know, an Indy car or a Formula One car as well. But they only brought the Extreme E car. And I thought that was really interesting that they were making his visit to the New York Stock Exchange solely about the form of racing, which most people in their portfolio that most people don't know about. Maybe we should, I don't know, let's watch an extreme E-race. Yeah, I feel like we need to sit down and, and take take a watch of one and see what we think about it. I believe you can stream it on YouTube. I believe. Okay, we will do some research um, on that. But let's move on to their the, the, another form of racing in their portfolio, IndyCar, which Katie and I have decided, drumroll please, that we are going to attend an IndyCar race this year. We're looking at tickets for the Bomberito 500 across the river in Illinois. I've the been Bomberito there. Bomberito 500. The man literally owns all of St. Louis. If you are from St. Louis, you will know that. Um, he even owns a school, I think. Oh, just kidding. He doesn't own the school. He's a massive donor to it. <laughs> um, but we're going to attend the Bomberito 500. I've actually been to this race. If you remember the formation lap from last year, I uh, had no idea I was at an IndyCar race. I just thought it was like random cars that went fast. This is before I was into racing. Um, turns out I've been there and I'm actually now excited to go back knowing names, understanding the concept of racing, and I'm not just there for the cheap beer. I'll be honest on that one. So let's talk about Arrow McLaren SP. So in 2019, McLaren got back into Na not NASCAR. I was literally, I'm an idiot. Um, got back into IndyCar. Specifically, they joined together with Aero Electronics, obviously McLaren Racing, and Schmidt Peterson Motorsports to kind of form a conglomerate called Aero McLaren SP with the sole goal to compete for the NTT IndyCar series and specifically hopefully compete and win an Indianapolis 500, which is on Katie and I's bucket list to attend this whole plan was this resurrection of the indycar from everything i can see as a concoction of the mind of zach brown um in one specific article i was reading about this taylor keel who's the president of their indycar program said that zach is like very bullish and aggressive not in a bad way but in a hey like shows up and is like hey what can we do what do you need what do we need to make this po like possible like i want to have success he is full stop committed. Um, Taylor Keel has been part of that team since Sam, since he left college and joined Sam Schmidt Motorsport. And today he now runs like the day-to-day -day operations of the IndyCar side. And he has specifically said multiple times that his relationship with Zach Brown is really phenomenal. There's a lot of communication. McLaren, like upper management, Zach Brown himself is committed to making the team successful and are committed to the IndyCar mission, just like they're committed to the Formula One mission. Like there is no using the IndyCar as like a 
a step stool for Formula One. It's going back to the original days of McLaren where it was not just Formula One, but it was also IndyCar. It was American racing and European racing. Um, and I do love that. I, I love that he's championing both. It's also great timing for him to do that as, you know, Formula One becomes more popular in the United States. And I can definitely see how if Formula One becomes more popular, then IndyCar would become more popular over NASCAR. So the new McLaren um, IndyCar team began competing in 2020, which was 40 years after McLaren had the last time they had full stop competed in IndyCar, which is kind of pretty. I do love that. Um, in ahead of the 2020 season, there was a massive restructuring inside of McLaren and in the IndyCar um, management structure that allowed for McLaren to come in as a majority owner of the car and allowed for Sam Schmidt and his partner, Rick Peterson, to actually take a step back, which is something that they had been looking for. So it was all copacetic. In fact, it was a really great kind of handoff in partnerships. Um, Zach Brown has a lot, a lot a lot of goals for this organization. Not only is he hoping that, you know, they are competing at the forefront of Formula One, but they're competing at the forefront of IndyCar, but he is also he wants his hands all over the organization, specifically Michaela Aaron's hands. They have plans for a 100,000 square foot shop in Indianapolis. So essentially his goal is to move the Indy team out of the Schmidt building into this new state-of-the-art facility that is essentially the MTC, but the American version in Indianapolis and focused on sustainability and renewable energy. So it would be like a American forward planning unit, almost this like almost the reverse to what Haas has done, where they have their base in the Carolinas and they have their UK location. It's just the reverse for McLaren. Um, and there is also plans underway for a third full-time IndyCar entry for Aero um, McLaren SP for next year, which they have already committed to the new cars. They've already ordered the parts and they've already um, planned to hire an additional 25 people. So this is not just a, a short-term venture. Um, that third driver um, would join Pato Award and... Uh, Oh, gosh. I forgot the other guy's name. Oops, oh, um, Pato's the important one. Let's talk about Pato. Yeah. Um, Pato's the important one. I hate to say that. I feel so sorry for forgetting the other guy's name. But Pato Award and now Colton Herta, who has also joined McLaren as a development driver, are kind of what I am going to start referring to as the McLaren Junior Drivers Program. <laughs> um. Zach Brown is committed to young talent. I mean, committed. I also fully believe that he's committed to an American young talent, which is why he picked up Colton Herta. I don't think he's ever specifically said those words, but I think the writing is in the line, is between the lines. Um, so Pato Award is, and Zach Brown fully believes the Pato Award is a future superstar. In 2020, he was the Rookie of the Year in the IndyCar Series. In 2021, he took third place in the championship. He had three pole positions and five podiums, including two wins. He, for the second year in a row, earned the best ever result for a Mexican driver during the Indianapolis 500 with a fourth place finish. Award has F1 aspirations. I mean, that has, he is 
been very upfront and honest about it. And McLaren has used him as a test and reserve driver at select races or is going to use him as a test and reserve driver. Um, but he actually made his Formula One debut in December at the Abu Dhabi circuit, if you remember that. I don't know if you remember seeing those pictures. Um, after Colton Herta's deal, which we're going to talk about here in a second, because I think um, I want to dive into a little bit about an American IndyCar driver here, as we are both Americans. Um, Brown actually offered Pato Award a deal just like Kurt Colton Herta, a very similar one. Um, and what I'm going to phrase is like a show of commitment to Pato Award. An award hasn't uh, accepted. He declined to sign it. Um, which the identical contract to Herta, by the way. Um, so there is some questions on whether or not, you know, someone else is going to offer Pato Award an opportunity. Um, McLaren would have the ability to kind of countermatch that. And if they can match 75% of it, they get to keep him based on the contract rules. Full stop, I don't think the man is going anywhere. I think he is going to stay with McLaren. I know McLaren wants to keep him to stay. It's interesting that in a lot of kind of the articles that I've, you know, read, I've looked at, you know, the discussions of Pato Award leaving, one of McLaren's big things is that they want to keep him because not only do they think he's a future superstar, potentially could move him into Formula One, but also that he brings along with him the Mexican and the U.S. markets. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean... I think when we think about an American driver in F1, it's similar to what is happening with Guan Yu Zhao this year with being a first Chinese driver in Formula One. You've got the sponsorships, you've got the fans, you've got everything that comes with being an American F1 driver that comes with being a F1 driver from any country. That, But we haven't seen it yet because the bubble hasn't burst yet in the U.S., well, awards Mexican. Correct. Sorry, I was I was kind of talking more <laughs> Colton Herta, but you know, it, it brings it it would bring Mexico along with. I think it's like what Checo did. Yeah, you know, like when you go to Mexico, you see how everyone comes out for Checo. Um, I don't know. I I think it's. It's definitely interesting how committed and how aware McLaren has got about their marketing. Um, a quote that I normally don't read quotes, but I feel like this one's important because we're talking about Lando this episode. Zach Brown said, award needs to help us become more consistent and vice versa. The same thing we've seen out of Lando in Formula One. They're not going to let him go. He's not going anywhere I just think that he might get stuck in IndyCar. He may not have the that opportunity to get to Formula One just because of how the dice roll. I mean, it kind of all depends on if there's a spot open. And I don't want to talk about it, but I think we all know which seat we're talking about there. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to acknowledge not going to acknowledge. We're we know gonna that we're going to have him <laughs> until the end of 2023. I'm kind of pissed that Vegas decided to be in 2023 and not 2024 because that would have ensured that I would have had Daniel Ricardo even longer. <laughs> yes, it I'm going to write a letter. <laughs> I'm going to write a letter to Formula One. Um, okay, so 
in terms of competing for like potentially a future F1 seat, which I full stop Indy, the McLaren IndyCar program is not their like testing ground for Formula One. That they've made it very clear they're not going to cannibalize their IndyCar program for the success of their Formula One team. But in terms of the other option that is a rising star in IndyCar that could potentially fill an F1 seat, we have Colton Herta. He is an American IndyCar driver. He is currently racing with Andretti Auto, Spar Andretti Auto Sport, which, fun fact, fun fact, um, his very close ties with Zach Brown. Very close ties. Um, he is the first, Colton Herta, sorry. Colton Herta was the first IndyCar series driver born in the 2000s. I'm very peeved about that. I'm feeling very old today. Um, and is a six-time IndyCar race winner. He actually is the youngest race winner in IndyCar series history when he won at the Circuit of the Americas at 18 years, 359 days old. That was in 2019. And he is the youngest pole winner in IndyCar series at 19 years, 83 days, which he run at which he won at Road America in 19. 19. He wasn't even born in 19 anything. In 2019. <laughs> Jesus. He is the son of former IndyCar series driver Brian Herta, who you know, had some glory days a little bit. He won four races as a driver and he actually won two Indianapolis 500s as a team owner. And he is the current race strategist for his son's IndyCar series team. So imagine your dad coming to work with you every day and getting a chirp in your ear. Like not only was he chirping in your ear the entire time you were in karting, here he is in your like actual career. Oh wait, would, he's literally like Max Verstappen. Yeah, I was going to say it's literally like having Max having um Joss there. Joss? Yeah. Hopefully uh I think Brian I, I haven't heard anything about Brian Herta being, you know. Yes, questionable in his know. parenting skills. <laughs> I feel like I handled that one really well. Questionable in his parenting skills. So, like we said, Colton Herta in 2022, March, literally last month, seems like an attorney ago, signed a deal to be part of the testing and development for McLaren. He is most likely going to take place in F1 tests, but specifically tests on the 2021 MCL 35M car. It's part of the new regulations called the testing of previous cars, where teams, constructors can actually use cars built in the last three years, the previous three years of this championship year. So that could be 2021, 2020, or 2019. They have to use like the specifications of that year, the tires of that year, but they can use those tests as a way to inform them on young talent. So, cause those cars are quote unquote ancient technology <laughs> for this year's championship. They can use those older cars as a way to look at potential drivers, look at potential talent, evaluate those talent, but also give their young drivers an opportunity to sit in an F1 car for their first time or second time or third time. So I'm going to be really interested to see um, when we get a Colton Herta F1 debut and really if we're going to see Pato Award come out again. I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll get an FP1 appearance from one, if not both of them. 
And then our final intersection of motorsport racing is that the fact that McLaren has an esports team. So it's called the McLaren Shadow Project, which is a virtual racing program that shadows our real world equivalent. They entered esports in 2017 to explore the performance opportunities that exist between gaming and real world racing since the intersection is actually a transference of skills between driving in the car versus driving in the sim slash esports setup. So I'm actually pretty excited to see where esports goes. I haven't necessarily been following it too heavily, but I will say that it's pretty interesting to know how great it has become, especially with Twitch and streaming and everything that goes into it all, um, especially during the COVID years when we weren't able to, you know, race, esports really stepped in. So it's something that I think we should all be keeping our eyes on in the future. So finally, 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 why should you be a McLaren fan? Why should you be a part of the Papaya Nation? First off, you cannot deny that they have a rich history of some of the greatest in motorsports. You have Emerson Fildipaldi, you have James Hunt, you have Alan Prost, you have Nicky Lauda, you have Ayrton Senna, you have Mika Heikkinen, you have David Cuthard, you have Kimi Raikkonen, you have Lewis Hamilton, you have Fernando Alonso, you have Jensen Button, Carlos Sainz, Lando Nordis, and Daniel Ricciardo, who is not, one of the greats. He is one of the greats. And not only do you have all of those drivers, but you get to be part of the papaya party. You get to wear the coolest merch in Formula One. I believe so. Even, you can even throw it back to the Monaco livery anytime you want. Anytime you want. I feel like this want. is an infomercial. Here's why you should be a part of the papaya party. The merch. The merch. Simply the merch. Merch. Honestly, one of the reasons alone should be the Monaco livery. Sorry, but yeah, Monaco was... livery is like a sub point to the papaya party. Sub point. Like papaya party, sub point A, Monaco livery, sub point B, merch. Merch. <laughs> sub point C, the merch of the drivers. <laughs> um, number three is Zach Brown is literally happy from the Marvel Universe. And if that isn't a good enough reason for you to join the McLaren Nation, then I'm sorry, you literally just can't sit with us. Yep, you can't sit with us. And finally, Daniel is absolute comedy. I mean, everyone was hyping up the pairing of Daniel and Lando, and we didn't really see it much last year, but I really truly believe that they're starting to come into each other's partnership and teammateship and really bring out the comedy of each other. They're, um, they're new little bits that they're doing for like yeah. the McLaren marketing are giving me, this might be a little bit of hot take, they're giving me some like Maxwell vibes. The one where it's they did the Australian than, sling. It's more Maxwell than Carlando, for sure. Much, much more Maxwell, less Carlando, which I'm okay yes. with because I know that nothing is going to infringe on Max and Daniel's relationship, but I want, like they're, they've just, They've been together too long. But Lando, I mean, Carlando is just a little bit newer 
So I, it's a little fresher. So I don't want Carlando vibes out of Mac, uh, out of Daniel and Lando. I want I want Maxwell vibes. I love it. I hate this level of analysis. God. <laughs> Get a life, Megan. <laughs> All right, I'll bring us into our up next and wrap it up. Up next is the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix in Imola, Italy at the Autodromo Enzo Edino Ferrari. The 63-lap race takes place on April 24th for round four of the 2022 season. This track has a lot of history tied to it. It first hosted the Italian Grand Prix in 1980, and it went on to host the San Marino Grand Prix from 81 all the way up until 2006. We luckily returned to racing here in 2020 due to COVID, and after testing his Alphatari at the track for the buildup to the 2020 season, Pierre Gasly called the experience one of the best he's ever had in a Formula One car. The anti-clockwise circuit is fast with an old-school feel and the iconic corners of Aqua Minerale and Piratella. Join us next week for our race recap. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us at Dirty Driving Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, stay dirty.